we see a bouquet and we think, isn't that pretty? But we don't realize how much goes into that. I think as employees, there's many of us that look at each other some days and go, if they only knew what went into just making this bouquet. Welcome to How We Bloom, an oasis of flower ideas. I'm your host, Sharon McGookin, AIFD, AAF, PFCI, and I believe that every great success story starts with one simple idea. That's why we interview those who dare to do things differently, inspiring people who plant seeds, grow ideas, and bloom to their full potential. In this podcast, we listen, learn, explore new opportunities, and that's how we blame. Today's guest recently said to me, I should be thinking of retirement. I love my job. I'm the luckiest man in the world because I get to do what I love. After 50 years in the floral industry, Paul Miller, AIFD, PFCI, one of Sunshine Bouquet's leading floral designers, still has an amazing passion for petals. His innovative work has contributed to industry trade and events throughout the U.S., Canada, Japan, and South America. What I can vouch for through our years together in the Teleflora Education Specialist Team is that not only is this flower friend talented, but Paul's a lot of fun to work with. He always has a smile and a laugh to share. This design show panelist, judge, commentator, and floral consultant has been past president of the AIFD Southwest Region, a member of AIFD National Education and Membership Committees, a runner-up in FTD's America's Cup Competition, an Arizona State Designer of the Year, and he was inducted into the Arizona Floral Hall of Fame. Despite his vast experience, Paul's resourceful, down-to-earth approach to floristry makes him relevant to any audience. Now, working with Sunshine Bouquet, Paul's focus is on mass market design. Proving the sunshine mantra, beautiful flowers grow into beautiful moments. Paul Miller is here today to share with us the story of how South American blooms end up in the beautiful bouquets that we enjoy here in North America. Welcome, Paul. Hey, Sharon. How are you? Very good that I'm here with you today. This is going to be so much fun. I always find the farm-to-florist story so interesting, and I know that our viewers will also. Yes, I love doing what I do. I've started going to farms in Columbia in 1995. was the first trip there. Oh, fantastic. That's been quite a while. Yes. And it's changed a lot there over that period of time also, hasn't it? Yes, we grow a lot more flowers. We used to grow basic flowers, a rose, a mum, and a carnation. And now we grow many, many varieties, probably over 500 different varieties of species and flowers. That's amazing. Now, I wanted us to talk today about the process of importing flowers. So I want to ask you about the farm, the people, the process. And in the information that you shared with me... 
I read that you have 3,200 acres of flowers and over 30,000 employees. Now, are those employees in both South America and North America? Yes, that includes our five offices and facilities here in North America in the United States and also includes all our farms in Colombia and Ecuador. Which is the largest grower of flowers? I know Ecuador is the largest grower in roses, isn't it? But in terms of farmland, is it Colombia or is it Ecuador? Um, I believe it's Colombia has more land, actually, but Ecuador is right there with it. And we have farms in both places. We actually have 56 separate different farms. Amazing. Now, your roses, I know that you have 951 acres planted in roses. Are those between the two countries? Yes, those are between the two countries. That's, that's incredible to think. It's kind of hard to think in, in terms mm-hmm. of those numbers, isn't it? It's always amazing to me, even though I get to make one bouquet and they get to multiply it many, many times. Once I might make a bouquet and it might have 25 stems, but they have to make 5,000 of that bouquet. Well, when it comes to bouquets, does the farm plant for you or do you work with what they plant? That works a little bit of both ways. We're always working out. Um, in collections that we offer to our customers, I'm working on 24 and 25 already. Um, so if a customer decides they want that collection a year out, we can usually plant for them. And that's only in certain flowers um, because some flowers are you plant it and you pull it out and that's the end. For example, mums and lilies are a one-time flower, but we're roses, Alstroemeria, Gerbera, Things like that are like a five to ten year plant. So that one is a little more difficult. That is so interesting. And there's such a fine science to all that, isn't there? There is a science to everything there. And that's part of the things that I just am amazed. Every time I go, I look and I find out new things. How many in one row, how many flowers are an average bloom how many bloom and how often it is, and it's all recorded on the end of each row so they know that they're going to expect 40 blooms from that row today, 40 tomorrow. That's crazy. Now, you shared with me a video that I'm going to put the link into the transcript and people can go to see that process explained a little more clearly with you, Paul, right out in the middle of those big fields of flowers. How amazing that must feel to stand in the middle of that much beauty and that much fragrance. The countries are absolutely beautiful, but actually being in the greenhouse is one of the most exciting things. And you're, and there's always people working in there and the passion that they have for what they do is really amazing. Just watching their faces. One thing they never get to see is the finished product. So when we were filming this, we brought the bouquets that featured those six flowers into the greenhouse where they were working, they were just totally amazed and just loved seeing their product in the finished bouquets. Well, one of the things I noticed on the videos and in the photographs that you shared with me, they're all smiles all the time. It it just, you can tell they're like you. They enjoy that job (laughs) and working there. 
Well, you know, we always say that flowers make you smile, and that is true. And I think each person there really does have a passion for what they do, and they're proud to do whatever job, whatever menial task it may seem to us, planting the flowers, growing the flowers, and all the different process that one stem goes through is just an amazing journey from really from the ground all the way to the um, processing and then sending it away from Colombia or Ecuador and getting on a jet to head here. Well, for example, the disc buds, taking all those extra buds off so you end up with one bloom, that's just incredible detail. Right. As I share with um, people around the United States and different places where I've taught, one of the most interesting things that I've I'll do, I'll take a stem of what we call spray chrysanthemums and I'll take a a stem of a disc bud and I go, what's the difference? And most people don't know. And really what it is, is it's the same flower, but a person has to take all the buds off of the disc bud, hence where it gets its name, disc bud. A person has to go so a couple times during that process to take those out. So all the energy goes up that single stem to make one big, large flower. It is so amazing to think about how much handiwork goes into raising just one bloom in a flower. I, I know that people very often say, oh, well, why do flowers cost that much? And then I watch the video and I see the process and I think, how on earth can we do this as inexpensively as we do? That's pretty astounding. And- it is. And that's just one process. And then when a field is ready to be um, harvested, what happens two weeks before that field's ready to harvest, we've all seen a disc bud and how it comes in the box when we get it from our wholesaler with the little net above it. Well, that doesn't grow on the plant. <laughs> that is put on the stem two weeks before it's processed and harvested. So then two weeks later, another person comes by, they know exactly how big that has, that bloom has to be, and they pull the net up on top of it. Then another team comes in and harvests all those. And then in three days, that field will be totally harvested, and then it will be replenished with soil and fertilizer for the next crop. So within a week's time, usually a whole hectare can be turned around. That's, that's just hard to imagine, actually. Well, I saw in the video also that there was paper put over certain blooms and the date that they needed to be right. cut. Uh, and right. I thought, that's very time-consuming as well. It is. There's a lot of time-consuming things we don't think about. And just to intersect and note, One time we had someone visiting the farm and they were really watching the life of a mum from the time we planted it, which is usually 85 to 90 days before it can bloom. And then he saw the processes and he goes, that mum should be $20 a stem. (laughs) I was thinking, (laughs) when I was looking at that, I was like, wow, all for the cost that we pay. And then people complain about that. Now, I've never been to the South American farms. I've been to U.S. farms and flown over farms, and just the beauty of the flowers is amazing just to see it all at one time. But I have done some work in bouquet houses in Miami, making up bouquets and creating collections. And I know that when you create that recipe, you consider trend, season, 
STEM availability, and price point. So this is something you had to teach to the people on the farm, and I think you said there's probably about a thousand designers a day. Maybe. There's there's actually on an average is about twelve hundred designers. Wow. Hand tying, Dutch styled spiral every day. Uh, well, speak to us about bouquet making. Is that something that you especially love to do? Because you make some beautiful hand tied bouquets. <laughs> Well, I absolutely love to do bouquets, and what I do is a little bit different. We have, actually have the guru of trends working with us, Talmage, and he does the trends and does the bouquets to match the trends. I sort of watch the trends because of him, and I know what's happening, but I'm really extremely interested in what looks good together and what's pretty and what I think is trendy for today. And before you go on, let me give a shout-out to Talmadge. We're going to have Talmadge in to talk about trends also, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So if you'll continue, Paul. Yeah, yeah. And what I usually do is I usually like to design collections, and I've done this for years, uh, many, many years, and I'm, I'm always coming up with new ideas. Well, I really was interested in education, so that's how the Greenhouse Collection started and really wanted to start sharing with people, no matter who they are, if they're flower lovers or if they're just a one-time flower buyer, to let them know what goes through the process of actually growing that flower. And I started with just six flowers. I'm actually working on the next series for the next six flowers for 2024. And we also have the link to that in our show notes. So people will be able to see what you're speaking about. And I hope that you'll take the time to look at that to our listeners because it really was interesting. Paul was serious when he said he was looking at information that he wanted to share educationally. And it also was in Spanish and English. Yes, that's really important. Um, when I'm talking, I know enough Spanish to get me by, but the agronomist, we have a different agronomist for each farm and for each, for each flower, like there's an agronomist for roses in one farm. And they really have extremely a lot of knowledge on that particular flower there in charge of and they're very proud of what they do too and they get excited when you're talking about their gerberas or their roses or their delphinium they um and they share that on the video in spanish and i act like i'm listening to every word i was and i can get some of them but not all of them but i pretty much know the process that they go through so it is fun and the people there are always excited to see anybody from the states come down and love what they do and see what they do well, and the flowers were just incredibly beautiful, so that's easy to get excited about. And speaking of the flowers from Colombia and Ecuador, I was astounded by the information you gave me on the number of shipments per day. You said there's two to three full 767 flight charters per day, 10,100 full cases of flowers per day, 3.5 million stems of flowers per day. And 1.5 billion flower stems annually. That is just hard to fathom. <laughs> it still is for me, too. And I, I just love it. When when those flowers arrive, and you mentioned the plane, and the jets are very interesting because the flowers, there's no wasted space. Even in our boxes, we 
maximize every stem that can go in it. And the pallets are not like a pallet that goes on a truck. It has to be repalletized. It's actually arched. Um, the, the pallets are arched just like the side of a plane, so they can move everything in there. That's interesting. Just, yeah. Again, the detail. It's just astounding how minute the details are to make such a big picture work. Right. We see a bouquet and we think, isn't that pretty? But we don't realize how much goes into that. I think as employees, there's many of us that look at each other some days and go, if they only knew what went into just making this bouquet. And you can almost feel the spirit of all those people when you handle flowers. We, we um, enjoy spending our time with the flowers as we work. But there's a lot of people's hard work that went into that with us. There, there are. And you mentioned something, how beautiful it is. And I just want to mention that, too. Because my first trip to the farm, I expected to see so many beautiful flowers. There's many flowers you don't see color on when they're harvested. Like a lily or an alstroemeria, they're cut tight so they will last for the consumer. So when they get here, they're at the perfect stage. And that's the interesting thing. All the people know exactly when to harvest those flowers. They're trained for that. I look at it and go, I'd cut that one right now. They go, oh, no, 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 no. It needs another three days. <laughs> and how they, and it, it's pretty fun to, when I do that, they're like, no, 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 no. Can't do that now. <laughs> well, in one of the videos, it was so interesting to me that they knew exactly the size that each of the lily blooms needed to be. Right. They were, as you say, all green, no color showing. When they then cut them, they're all the same dimension, and that's... Right, they're all the same dimension, the same length, whatever it is, and different customers want different length flowers. So if someone wants a 50 centimeter, and we're not going to send them a 60 because that would waste space in the box mm -hmm. and would not be profitable for anybody down the line. Yeah. So we're very careful at that. That's amazing. Now, Sunshine Bouquet sells primarily to mass market. And then Esmeralda, right. who is a subsidiary now of Sunshine Bouquet, sells to wholesale. Am I correct? Right. That is correct. So we do have two distinct markets and two amazing varieties. Now, we, we use Esmeralda and some of the bouquets that we sell to, to the mass market. But we, we have both companies. And it's grown tremendously in the last 20-some years. So our retailers have access to Sunshine Flowers through their wholesale supplier. Right. All they have to do is look at that logo, Esmeralda, and that is actually Sunshine Bouquets. Okay. That's very interesting. Now, speaking of wholesalers, let's talk about bringing the flowers over from South America to North America. Actually, most every flower that comes into the United States comes through Miami. Other than if it's from Europe, it might come to New York. But there's um, all the facilities are in Miami for the quality control and actually customs for the flowers to be able to come in the United States. Now, there are refrigerated coolers and so forth in the customs at Miami Airport, but we're fortunate we're one of the very few that we actually have customs in our building. So when a jet is landed, it is brought directly to our facility 
in a cooled environment where everything is 34 degrees and the boxes are then forced with cold air so that inside of the box is the same temperature as the outside of the box and then it keeps that cold chain all the way through shipping and trucking it all over the United States. I was amazed when I saw that Customs comes into that particular building and then two other things that struck me as surprising was the big conveyor belts that are airport-like in that they move all the boxes of flowers like the airport moves luggage. Those were huge conveyor belts. And then we went into a room that was filled with, what, 350 maybe designers designing books at the same time. And just the size of that operation I found to be pretty amazing. Right, it is. And when you were talking about the airplanes, literally what I – consider the pallets there are almost like big cookie sheets and they're unloaded and then they slide we have a a floor system where they slide and can be moved very easily Um, and then customs is right in our building as a matter of fact we're moving into another big building we've just built a new facility for all the customs and the processing of that and can you speak to us about how important the cold chain actually is to the longevity of flowers, especially holiday flowers? Right. And, and the reason you need to keep that cold chain is once you disrupt that, it's almost like waking up in the middle of the night and you've only had two hours of sleep. They actually go to sleep and they need to stay that way until they're ready to use. So it's really important. So from the time they leave our facility, they're in a truck, and then they go in that same temperature all the way to whatever warehouse or distribution or wholesaler that that needs to be. And then they need to follow that process all the way to the store level. Because one thing that... Because that's the most important thing, the freshness of flowers. Exactly. And and just a quick little um, idea. Say that flower is... Let's just walk a flower through its life after harvest. It's harvested, it's processed, and hydrated with the proper chemicals and solutions that we use. And then it's in water. And then, let's say a bouquet, then that next morning... There'll be a team that will make those flowers into bouquets, and that afternoon it'll be on a truck to the airport in Bogota or or Quito, and then it's flown to Miami, and then the next day it is on a truck anywhere in the United States or Canada. Isn't that just amazing? You can be a yeah. There's not there's not much time. Yeah. You can be a bloom in the field one day and shortly thereafter a flower and a bouquet. Yes, exactly. That's pretty cool. Do you have any favorite stories about trying to prepare for the holidays where, you know, you have to prepare flowers in advance to be cut a little earlier and shipped a little farther and maybe there were issues with the shipping, say COVID for example? Right. Oh, wow. There's a lot of a lot of questions in that short sentence. Um, literally, when it comes to um, shipping, that is probably the biggest problem that most people have during holidays because we double our jet capacity. We use carriers, but what we do, what we've done for the last few years, we charter our own private jet so we don't have to deal with that. Then. 
We always try to bring in things a day or two early for our customers into Miami because you never know, especially during the biggest day of the year, Valentine's Day, you never know what the weather is going to be around the United States. So we don't want to get to a, a customer when it's bad weather. So we try to work out a day or two ahead of what's normal. Well, and I, I know that earlier you shared with me that there's five to six jets coming in per day in advance of a holiday like Valentine's Day. Right, right. About 6.5 million flower stems per day. Yes, yes, it <laughs> doesn't. For me to <laughs> I know, because I think you and I, we were both in retail for a while, and then we taught florist and we're like oh wow the cooler is so full <laughs> and now it's a, a whole different world it's a whole different world and there's a lot of flowers and we have a lot of great um, consumers out there that love flowers and I think um, you mentioned COVID I think that only enhanced the love of flowers so we're still seeing growth in flower sales in many many areas. I think COVID reminded people who had forgotten and taught people who never knew that flowers can speak for you and they can be there when you're not there. So I think I think that we did have a rediscovery of the value and the impact of flowers during COVID. Right, and I, I definitely agree. And, and it was very interesting because the owner of the company, during COVID, he didn't lay one person off at the farm's or in the U.S. I was so impressed by that. I heard that at the time, and I was so impressed that he held the jobs of everyone and just toughed it out because you lose those valuable employees, and you might not get them back, and you want to take care of employees. So he was impressive in my book when he made that move. Yeah, it was really interesting because... The, the idea is the farms wouldn't be taken care of if there was anybody gone, even though we had to throw a lot of flowers away for a short period. And then it was it was great because we were prepared for what happened that year, as well as continuing to happen, the, the growth in sales for fresh flowers. Do you consider that you will continue to see the growth of the farms? Do you think that the the fields will be expanded even more or do you think that that space has been allocated as best as it can? Um, that's an interesting question because that's sort of the science behind this. We were growing as in the spring. We were actually building a week, a hectare in a greenhouse, doing a new greenhouse every week oh, wow. for a while. And then because we the demand is there, and then they know that it's going to sort of settle out, be flat again. And this is through years of experience. And it's very much um, having flowers. And we all know that it is a, a perishable product. And it's almost like a gamble, you know, like one customer one year might want 500 of something and the next year they want 1500 and it can work the other way too so it really is and we have an amazing sales team that works with customers individually uh, on both sides the esmeralda and the sunshine side so it makes it very difficult but very rewarding when you get it right <laughs> love those days when you get it right <laughs> yeah now paul I see you always Zooming. I, I will text with you, and you're like, I'm off to Columbia. I'm headed to California. I'm here, there, and everywhere. And 
do a great job of it. And always maintain a positive attitude in spite of consumer travel. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it does get tiring. I remember as a kid, I told my mom I always wanted to travel when I grew up. And I really had no idea that it would end when I ended up in a flower shop that I'd be able to do this. So through many um, places being there at the right time, I first of all got involved in traveling when I um, was asked to join the FTD education team back in the 80s um, through through a contest I won. And that began my um, series of travels, and I've been doing that ever since then. Um, and one of the things I love, I call myself a support for the salespeople. I love to go and I love to teach. I love to train the store managers. I love all the ideas that we can come up with and how to use flowers in a different way and how to make it simple and quick and enjoy them at home or for any occasion. You're known for your down-to-earth way of presenting to an audience that's a really great thing i loved the travel too uh, they say you can find the roots of what you will be in the future back in your childhood and even in school my favorite subjects were geography and um social studies and i loved learning about other people and so we got to do a lot of that didn't we <laughs> yeah no very fortunate very fortunate as a matter of fact i leave sunday for the farm for four days to go down and um, work on some things and actually get to visit the farms. Okay. I, when I go to the farms, I sort of get stuck in a, sort of a studio, we call it. Mm-hmm. They bring the flowers to me and say, stay there, make bouquets. <laughs> so it's always a real joy when I can um, go and visit the farms, actually. Um, I enjoy it. I always learn something. There's a new process or it's a hydroponic flower or it's a new variety and we're and sunshine's really good at trying new things and they don't just try it once if it didn't work the first time they're going to give it another try or two and sometimes it's with my begging <laughs> oh please grow that one please grow that or please bring that back and sometimes i win and sometimes i don't <laughs> i've had that experience at oasis too a favorite product will go away and i'm like no I need that. Especially when you really learn to like it, you know, okay, this I wasn't sure about, but I really, really love this flower. I really love this product. And I've yes. had that experience in Miami of being in a room completely filled with buckets of flowers, just the, the whole room completely filled, and you're standing there alone making one bouquet at a time, trying to develop the collections. Right. That's just kind of, it. it's just special, isn't it? It is. And and even when it's just one variety, we were in the design room the other day and new employees come in and go, oh, they're just amazed. They look at me and go, what do you mean? You got so excited when that new box of carnations came in. And I still do. I think every flower has a special place, no matter whether it's a mum or a carnation, as well as a hybrid lily, an oriental lily or a lisianthus, or a scabiosa, they're all, they all have their own beauty. They do. One of my favorite quotes about flowers is this one, and it's unknown, but I, I would love to have been the author of it. If we could see the miracle of a single flower clearly, our whole life would change. And I think that really says a lot um, about just one flower. It doesn't have to be a bunch. It can just be one, and it can change your life. And speaking of having your own beauty, what would you say is your superpower, Paul? 
Oh, my superpower. Let's see. That would be making, letting people enjoy the product that I work with. Mm -hmm. You know, really, really that passion of understanding flowers and why it does make you feel good. I always try to have them in my home too. And I just threw out the last ones, (laughs) sort of getting, getting ready for the holidays. So I'll bring more in tomorrow. Well, in letting people enjoy something you've created but also I think they can feel your passion for the thing that you created I I think being able to transfer that is a superpower yeah I think so too I've just been blessed with it I never really planned on doing this I was going to be going to school when I was 17 to be a Baptist minister and that didn't work out so well I I walked into a flower shop and started there at 17 and haven't stopped (laughs) well you were saying that you had been in the business 50 years I've been in the business 49 and it was that same thing a flower shop in high school and you caught the disease and you never work yours yeah and you never get you go to school you work there and (laughs) then you start working and yeah it's pretty amazing how that happened and actually when i think about it 71 is when i started so that's going to be 52 years coming up (laughs) i i was used to think people were really old when they said that and it's it's all in how you feel and i know you feel young i do i do that you remember um Someone came up to me that we were working with um, on a, I think with Nature's Flowers. Someone came up to me and said, if y'all are as old as Paul says you are, you don't look like it. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, how do y'all stay young looking? And I said, Paul, you started this. How do we stay young looking? And you said, I think it's the flowers. And right. from that time on, I've believed that, that handling the flowers makes you healthier. I think it makes you healthy and happier. And we all choose our own destiny. But I really do think we're some of the luckiest people to get to work with such beautiful um, products of nature. And I always say, it's not brain surgery. Nobody dies if you make a mistake. Except <laughs> maybe a bride's mother or two thought they were going <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like my daughter-in-law is a school teacher. She said, I love teaching school and I love being a principal if I didn't have to deal with the parents. <laughs> sort of like the bride. She's great. It's the mothers or mother-in-laws. There's the challenge. Well, when it comes to flowers on the farm and the way that things are processed and the way that the farm brings everybody together, in one flower family, actually, do you see that that people who work on the farms there take a lot of pride in the fact that they have that opportunity? Well, they have that opportunity, and we're very um, good at taking care of the people at the farm, their families, teaching them how to garden at home if they do, how to help take care of their children. Um, we're really good at that. We've won some awards for that internationally, mm-hmm. too. And I think that really makes a difference in how people feel. I had heard that you do an excellent job at the farm, so I'm glad that you shared that. As we yeah. as we move forward, is there anything else you can think of that you would like to include? One thing you mentioned on there was what, what helps the 
people to order flowers early. That always helps. The earlier you do, and, and just for us, when we grow mm-hmm. flowers, if a customer is ordering a year out, we can definitely grow for that customer. But it's it's very hard because we always have excess, but pretty much that excess disappears too. So it's just it's not like um, making a dress or product like that or clothes. It's something that takes a long period of time to grow. I remember one of my first um, times at the farm, I, I was doing a whole series for six months and he looked at, we don't have any more red carnations. You've used them all. And I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> he says, we can only grow so many in that amount of land. So it's always a learning experience. I know when we go to our wholesale house, well, what do you mean they're out of this? <laughs> well, there might be a reason. That is true. You don't really think behind the why are they out of it. And seasonal flowers, when you are working ahead of time on projects, because I too have had to work like a year ahead and such, you have to remember what's going to be in that season a year from now. That's always a little right. bit of a challenge. And now it's interesting because years ago, a lot of things were a little more seasonally than what we have now. We really can grow most every flower um, 12 months out of the year. The biggest problem for our side of the business we have mums, but we want fall, and then all of a sudden we turn. We don't want to fall mum December 1st. We have to have all red, white, and green. So that's a very difficult task when you change seasons abruptly. And just like after Christmas, there's no more red, white, and green. They all change to a bright color, and then we have Valentine's Day. So one thing I am seeing in Generally, everywhere we go, we think of Valentine's Day, red, white, pink, lavender, maybe. But we're finding a whole new generation out there that isn't as traditional that wants brighter colors, sunflowers at Valentine's Day, things that we 20 years ago would have never thought could even sell. And I think we're seeing the same thing in Mother's Day. We have a new generation of mothers that want bright, vivid flowers. You know, I just did a podcast with Chris Norwood, AIFD, and he alluded to that in a whole section in his Valentine's Day prep podcast, and I'll put a link to that. And he said, I never understand why nobody wants it on February 15th. (laughs) But he also said that we have now to think to the generations when it comes to developing trends. Because each generation has its own thought process as to what is appropriate for a holiday in terms of color or style or right, and and we and we can sort of force some of those things too when we make a beautiful bouquet and let's say it's for Christmas and we've put a lot of pink. I call it peppermint, you know, and so we can sometimes change the consumer a little bit when they see something beautiful mixed with red it might be something they didn't think of or shades of green and when you've been in the business this long one of the things that i think is really interesting is the shade of green Uh used for christmas i remember our dear friend matt wood when he first used lime green at christmas i thought that was crazy and it was only emerald green was allowed for christmas and then you change with the styles and now i see maddie was always one to go first wasn't he yes exactly i just couldn't understand that i still remember that when he showed me that i go it's pretty but (laughs) i remember the first time um and i think i was in hong kong the first time in a designer mixed 
yellow green with blue green. And someone said to me, you can't do that. And I said, Mother Nature does it. If she can do right. that, can I do it? Right. And now that's just commonplace. Yeah. We all do it. We yes. were just beginning. Yes. So, someone had done it, and we all thought, I can do that. <laughs> Right, exactly. No, it is interesting how colors change through the years, and, and we like certain things, but it's it's just sort of like fashion. Fashion's really important to a lot of people, but it's not like it was, and I think our communication and technology has changed that, where pretty much anything goes. It used to be, I remember my mother waiting on the spring styles, how long was the dresses going to be? Now nobody cares, because it's our world is much smaller, even though... Um, it doesn't seem like it sometimes. And the transitionals. My mother-in-law always talked about finding some transitionals, an outfit or two <laughs> that would carry her from one season to the next. <laughs> and now everybody just shows up in their T-shirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It is, it, is, it is a different world. And that being said, it is a different world, and we have to adjust to it. And the only constant is change. And with change comes challenge. And once you look in that challenge, you see that opportunity. And we've just found so many opportunities to grow in a different direction. And I know I'm thankful that you all have done that at Sunshine Bouquet for the farms and that you bring those gorgeous flowers to us and we get to enjoy the roses that are grown in that temperate climate up in the mountains nearer the sunlight. And they're just huge and beautiful and we're grateful for them. One thing I just want to add, too, is one of the things you said about growing, and that's the interesting part about Colombia and Ecuador, the different elevations. Certain flowers grow better, and you might plant the same from the same mother plant in two different areas, and the color of the flower will actually be a little bit different. It might be a lavender. It might be more purple in one area. So it's a lot of scientific trials before you really know. But that's the nice thing about um, Colombia and just a little bit about Bogota and the savanna where most of the um, farms are. It's the same temperature, 365 days a year. It's between about 50 to 65 to 70 maximum every day. And when the sun goes down, you need a jacket. So people think, oh, it's hot and tropical. Well, that's not the part of um, Colombia that we grow the flowers in. It's up in the high um, mountains. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Well, Paul, we just can't thank you enough for taking time for us today. I know how busy your schedule is. And also to our listeners, thank you for being with us to explore the bringing blooms to bouquets from South America to North America. Smithers Oasis, North America, Paul and I want to thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and be sure to hit subscribe. You don't want to miss the inspired solutions our upcoming guests will share with you for your personal or business growth. If you have a topic you want to hear or a guest you'd like to hear from, please message me. We'd love to hear from you. Visit your wholesale supplier or oasisfloralproducts.com for traditional or on-trend products and seasonal inspiration. While you're on the website, be sure to subscribe to the How We Bloom podcast and Floral Hub blog. Until next time, I'm Sharon McGookin reminding you, 
that like the unfurling petals of a flower, we grow by changing form, soaking inspiration in like raindrops, absorbing energy from others like warmth from the sun. This growth opens us up to new ideas, and that's how we bloom.